Welcome to the Park City Podcast, a podcast created by Park City Church to discuss who God is and how he is at work in our lives. I'm your host, David Morelli. Welcome back to the Park City Podcast. Again, my name is David Morelli, and I am joined, as always, by my friend Phil Schomber. And we are so excited that you are back for episode two of this podcast. It was exciting for us to see episode one up live last week. Uh, We hope that that was encouraging and beneficial to you as you listened along. Uh, And so, Phil, I'll welcome you into the episode and just want to ask, how are you feeling about being an official podcaster? Does one episode qualify one as an official podcaster? I'm not really sure. It's all it's all relative. Uh, I guess I feel okay about it. Uh, You know, I I was expecting uh, your email inbox to be filled with um, requests to to dump me from the podcast. And so I guess I have to feel pretty good that as far as I know, that didn't happen. At least one more week, you know, we'll see, we'll see about next week. Right. I I feel like I'm on a short leash. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yes. It's a, it's an exciting journey. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what it looks like moving forward. And, uh, it's fun to see episodes up and it's fun, uh, you know, to hear, compliments i know we received a couple and to hear you guys listening along uh to see you guys listening along rather is is fun and exciting for us well uh before we jump into the discussion for this week i just want to remind you all of our topics from last week so last week when we talked about the sermon we looked at how christians can engage productively with culture in a manner that upholds truth while also reflecting the character of Christ. And we talked about how both those things are important so we can't you know, divorce our cultural engagement from the call to the specific types of character we see in the Beatitudes. Then as we flipped over to the devotional, we discussed the authority of Scripture and how the Christian ought to submit themselves to what the Bible teaches in all things. So this week, as we open our sermon discussion, we are taking a look at um, the sermon from this past Sunday where Corey preached on Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, and taught on the relationship between the Christian and the Old Testament. Now, from that passage, we learn that Jesus did not come to abolish the Old Testament, but rather to fulfill it. So therefore, as his followers, we are called to practice and teach the entirety of Scripture, including the, New- the Old Testament. So, Phil, as you were listening along on Sunday, what stood out to you from the sermon? Well, I thought it was um, a helpful reminder uh, of just what we gain uh, by studying the Old Testament, um, not just what we lose if we, you know, don't study it, but but what we actually gain by it. Um, at the same time, though, I I've, it was convicting because you know even though you know I have a seminary degree. You know, I, I love to study theology. You know, I have to admit how easy it is for me, um, you know, to avoid delving in uh, to many parts of the Old Testament. Um, you know, it, it's much easier to stick to, you know, those, you know, portions that, you know, maybe feel like they're a little more interesting to me um, or a, a little easier, fewer questions. Um, you know, but when we neglect the entire Old Testament, you know, again, as Corey pointed out, you know, we um, we're missing out on um, kind of uh, understanding God better uh, and uh, understanding Jesus 
um, and coming to a deeper uh, understanding of who he is and what he's done for us. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking along those same lines with just, again, I tend to kind of passively disregard the Old Testament. And the way that I was thinking about it is, I think often in my head, I think of, well, I live on this side of the cross, right? Jesus has lived, died, rose again, is now in heaven. We're waiting for him to come back. So only the New Testament is relevant, right? Like, why would the Old Testament still hold value? Kind of the whole, you know, I know the Messiah has already come, so why do I need to read the prophecies about him? Um, But as, you know, you were saying, and as Corey mentioned on Sunday, right, that view leads to then a diminished appreciation for Christ, and you end up actually missing out on a lot of who God is. Right, and, you know, even though it's easy for us to almost make excuses for ourselves in terms of not wanting to um, kind of go deeper into the Old Testament, um, again, I, I we just have to regularly regularly remind ourselves that uh, we do uh, miss out on so much of the written richness of God's plan. Um, but again, we also uh, miss out on, on having the context for uh, understanding, you know, uh, what Jesus came to fulfill and, and why um, we, we our, our relationship suffers because we, we, we just don't under stand as as well as we could, uh, kind of who he is, again, what he's done for us, and how that's his coming uh, has been, is part of God's plan from the beginning. Mm, Absolutely. Well, for many, the Old Testament is more challenging to read. Um, What is challenging for you as you read through the Old Testament? Well, I think one of the things that it makes it difficult for me anyway is that the Old Testament, I mean, it's long. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot there. And trying to um, follow the threads to, to pull all the pieces together so that I feel like I, I understand what God is saying, you know, that, that's a big task. Um, because you have, you have all sorts of different kinds of books uh, you have history, you have poetry, uh, you have prophecy, um, and, and trying to understand what's going on in each one and putting it together, um, you know, th- that's difficult given just just how big it is. But, you know, I think alongside that, there's um, many of the events happened, you know, quite a long time ago. Uh, and happened in a, in a different cultural context. And I think that sometimes makes it hard for us to understand what's going on, especially, um, you know, if we are delving into uh, the prophets, you know, there's a mix of, you know, histor- historical events, but also things put in more poetic language um, as well as prophetic and just trying to uh, sort through that. Again, it's it's not it's not always an easy task. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I think that's where I find my greatest difficulty is again, putting it together in the whole, within the whole canon of scripture. Why is this in the Bible? How does it fit in? How does it point to Christ? How, you know, all of that, that can feel confusing. And then when you talk about, 
you know, again, it, it's written in a way in which, you know, like our Western culture doesn't write literature in the same way that the Bible was originally written. So that creates, you know, natural difficulties in terms or in order to interpret it correctly and understand it well. Um, and so for me, it just oftentimes it's laziness because you can read the New Testament and get a command. You know, obviously there's commands in, in the Old Testament as well, but it, in lots of the, you know, epistles, it's a, the Christian will do blank, 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 or the church does blank or, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, th- I understand that. It's just a matter of whether I, <laughs> whether I can obey or not. Um, whereas in the Old Testament, it can be a little, uh, just a further study to truly end up on the right application and interpretation. Exactly. Um, you know, it, again, it, it, it takes a little bit of work. Um, and sometimes, you know, human nature is such that, you know, after, um, busy day at work or first thing in the morning, um, you know, we'd, we'd rather not have to have to do that. So we, you know, move over to a passage that's familiar to us rather than digging in and, and, and um, kind of trying to sort through all, all of that. Well, one of Corey's main points on Sunday was that the Old Testament is still relevant today uh, and that just as Jesus has fulfilled it, that doesn't take away its relevancy. So for you, why is the Old Testament relevant today? Well, it's relevant because the Old Testament, just as much as the New Testament, reveals God's character. And it it also records the way that God has worked to redeem his people throughout history. Um, And because he's the same today um, and, and doesn't change, what we learn about him through his relationship with his people in the Old Testament has relevance to our relationship with him today. So I, I think, you know, it remains relevant because, again, it's a record of who God is, how he's worked with his people, and, you know, um, even though all those things happened a long time ago, you know, from one perspective, again, God is the same as he was then. So it's still important for us to understand. Yeah. I liked how you said that, you know, the old Testament reveals just as much about God's character as the new Testament. And I think that's a misconception, misconception that people often have, right? That, well, Jesus lived, you know, the gospels tell the account of Jesus's ministry, you know, at least portions of it. And, and so, I should spend most of my time there and then I should spend my time, you right in the new Testament again for some of the same thinking that I was talking about earlier of just, well, it's post, you know, crucifixion and resurrection. So we're waiting for Jesus to come again. So that's, you know, I need to know what I need to do there, you know, until he comes again. But like you're saying that, you know, in the old Testament, we get these wonderfully rich insight into the heart of God you know, I, the first one that comes to mind is just Exodus 34, 6, where, you know, the Lord describes himself to Moses and says he's merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you get this beautiful picture that, oh, wait, this misconception that a lot of us have of, you know, God in the Old Testament is angry and wrathful and displays his judgment all the time. Maybe that's not, you know, the, the completely accurate picture. Um and you see, you know, 
over because of the length of the Old Testament, because of the the number of years that pass from you know Genesis up until the Gospel accounts, you see this steadfastness from the Lord. You see His faithfulness to Israel and to His people despite their shortcomings. Um, and again, you 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 miss some of that. Those those are themes that, as you talked about, you know God's redemptive plan. Those are themes that are constantly relevant to us even as we you know sit on this side of the cross awaiting jesus's second coming yeah i mean if you think about it you know we often talk about how god's love was demonstrated in jesus death for us on the cross um but kind of going to your point about how we sometimes misconstrue oh god is in the old testament is just this angry deity and you know th- there really isn't any demonstration of his love if we think about it the fact that the bible didn't end and human history didn't end after genesis chapter 3 is a manifestation of his love and mercy you know hmm. um the the fact that uh we rebelled and sinned and that wasn't the end of the matter uh that he continued to uh, reach out and desire a relationship with us. Again, it does, um, we don't always think of it that way, but it does manifest his love because um, if he didn't love us, why was he continuing to, um, again, try to have a relationship with us, to reach out to us? And as you mentioned, um, the Israelites, uh, their constant rebellion, but again, he, he doesn't give up on him. And it's only when we kind of look at that entire scope that we get a sense of just how um, faithful he is. And if you kind of lop all of that off and don't ever reflect upon the way God worked with his people in the Old Testament, I think you uh, we lose something in terms of uh, not really being able to fully appreciate just how patient um, and faithful he is and has always been. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, again, Corey was discussing the tension that we live in today, right? Where in this passage hits on that, where Christ has fulfilled the scriptures. He's fulfilled the law and all its requirements. But yet, as we're discussing, the Old Testament is still relevant in our lives today. So what does it look like for the Christian to live in that tension? How do you hold that high view of the Old Testament and of scripture while also recognizing that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Well, I think it begins with uh, thinking in terms of uh, what we've been talking about in terms of redemptive history. Um, Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, but again, we have to ask ourselves, if Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, you know, it's important to remind ourselves that we have to understand the Old Testament if we want to understand what he is, in fact, fulfilling. Um, it, it's not enough to just say he's the fulfillment of it. I won't really understand how he's fulfilling Old Testament scriptures if I don't understand something about them. So I think that's how they fit together and remain relevant for us. If we want to understand who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's going to do, we need to understand a little bit about um, what was going on in the Old Testament. Mm. 
what's a what's a if you you know think in your mind a good example of understanding something from the old testament that then leads to that to a further you know appreciation and further understanding of what exactly christ accomplished for us one thing that comes to mind is um if you if you look at god's promise to um abraham god promises to make uh, abraham into a great nation but right alongside that promise is the promise to bless all nations through him. So what was God's plan for that? How, how did he intend to um, bless all the nations through Ab- Abraham? Well, we now know that that comes through Jesus. But that helps us to understand why, from the beginning, Jesus in his ministry was willing to uh, reach out to Gentiles. It also explains why in the book of Acts we see Paul uh, going out and preaching the gospel uh, among the Gentiles. That isn't just a sort of new idea that Paul came up with or that um, the early church said, hey, we need new members. Why don't we, oh, let's go talk to the Gentiles. No, it's, it's, part of God's plan from the beginning. And it's also part of what Jesus came to do. His mission was uh, to fulfill that promise by dying uh, to pay the penalty for all our sins. So just even that one small little uh, piece enhances our understanding because it shows, uh, it helps us understand what Jesus came to do. Um, and how it was part of God's plan all along. Yeah, that that's always fascinating for me to then to to put those pieces together. It does it it leads exactly to what Corey was talking about that that deeper appreciation as he was using the you know the picture of 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 climbing the mountain right and doing all the work yourself and getting to the top and seeing you know God's majesty at his creation of nature and, and, and everything that you're that you're looking versus just driving up and doing it you you start to put those pieces together and you say oh yeah man wow the the length to which god went to save you know us um and we did nothing of our you know nothing that we did earned us anything with god but but only through what jesus accomplished for us and and again as you were saying, seeing those things just opens your eyes and, and your heart, I think, more to to who Jesus really is for us. Well, there's a, I think, somewhat prevalent attitude towards the Old Testament that they might, you know, someone might see that, okay, it's relevant, but only certain parts, right? They want to pick and choose what is relevant from the Old Testament and what isn't. How does the Christian approach that if we're to say that ultimately all of the Old Testament is relevant? Well, I think we need to um, sort of understand the different ways the Old Testament can be relevant. You know, we've we've been talking about how it says something of uh, it. It shows us God's character, um, and all of the Old Testament can do that. But I think where it gets, I think, tricky for us, and in confusion uh, sets in, is when we talk about what specific commands, you know, from the Old Testament carry over today? Um, and what can I, you know, um, 
not ignore, but what, what don't I have to implement in my own life? And I think there that's where we look to the New Testament teaching um, that explains, uh, you know, what, what from the Old Testament applies in that particular way. And the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament doesn't just explain what applies. It typically uh, explains why something does or doesn't apply to us today. You know, if, for example, if you if you look at the book of Hebrews, it will uh, go into detail about the Old Testament sacrificial system. Um, and that's not something that applies to us today, that, you know, we don't have to go to the temple and offer sacrifices. Uh, but the author of Hebrews uh, wants us to understand exactly why that's the case. It's not like um, that was a mistake um, and, oops, you know, we were wrong about that. No, it was that the sacrificial system had a specific purpose to serve. It was ultimately to point us, to help us to understand the severity of sin and then point to Christ as the ultimate satisfaction for that sin. And since Christ has already done that, the, the sacrificial system has fulfilled its purpose and is no longer, um, and having fulfilled that purpose, it no longer uh, needs to be acted upon in the same way. So I think, you know, when we think about relevance and, and understand the different meanings of it in terms of, um, you know, what we're talking about, and then I think looking to the New Testament teaching. That's wise. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard it put in that way before of the relationship between the New Testament and the Old Testament, but I, I was going to make a, you know, little claim for, or, you know, promote Hebrews as a really good book for this discussion, because essentially the, the author's saying, hey, Jesus is greater in every single way. Um, you know, he, he, another example that the author uses is as a priest and he points to Moses and Aaron and, you know, the, as you read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and you read about what a priest did and what their role was and you start to put together, oh wait, that was just to paint a picture, right? To, to, to foreshadow a greater priest who is Jesus and, you know, and he still is our priest today and, and. And the book of Hebrews does a great job of tying in the Old Testament because of how many citations and references there are to it where you start to then put some of those pieces together even in one book. So if that's if this is something that's kind of new to you and you're listening along, it's a helpful book to start in for that purpose. Hebrews is a great book for that, for that purpose. And I should say, uh, you've probably never heard the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament put that way because... Um, I'm sure when I listen to this and, and think about it, I'll wish I had said it differently. So there, there's probably a good reason that you haven't heard it put that way, but hopefully at least it didn't the sound like, you know, total heresy, right, you know, right off your tongue. So hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> if so, we can always edit it out, right? It's, that's the beauty of technology. <laughs> yes. Well, as we, uh, are beginning to wrap up then the discussion on the sermon. I want to ask one more question, just as, as Corey was talking about, right, that the Old Testament points to Jesus. It helps us to understand and appreciate him that much more. So practically for you, as you read through the Old Testament, what helps you to see and savor Jesus? 
Well, one of the things is, I think as you pull some of the threads together throughout the Old Testament and you, and you realize um, that God's plan all along um, was to, to save us so that he could uh, spend eternity with us, to have an eternal relationship with us. And then when you realize that Jesus as God helped to form that plan, and is the fulfillment of that plan. I, I, I just, for me, that um, just helps me to see him. Uh, it, it just deepens my appreciation for um, for who he is and, and and what he's done because he's 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 God, and he from the beginning uh, wanted to be with us. Amen. I was listening to a uh, lecture from from a class that was talking about this very thing, and the uh, pastor, professor, teacher—I'm not exactly sure—but was describing how each book of the Bible ultimately points to Jesus, and that He's represented, you know, in each book in in some way. And he actually went through and he listed every book of the Bible in every single way that Jesus is represented from, you know, Genesis as the seed of the woman that will crush the serpent's head to, you know, the, uh, the anointed um, sacrifice to the Passover lamb to, and you get these themes and you start to put that together. And, and it was even helpful for me as, as last year I, I spent the year reading through the entire Bible and I started to get some of those pictures but then this course was a good idea or this lecture was just helpful to kind of say, oh man, when you start to make those connections, like you say, you just, it ends up inspiring you to worship. Um, and I think that's ultimately why, again, there's so much relevance. There's so much value in the Old Testament. Again, if you're just getting what happens in the Gospels and in the New Testament, that's great. Um, but why did it happen that way? What was the significance of that? Again, the time piece like we're, we're talking about, you see the Lord's faithfulness over thousands of years, uh, and, and that is incredibly meaningful for the Christian who, you know, you might spend 80 years walking with the Lord on this earth. You know, what does that mean day after day, week after week, you know, year after year? And that's just incredibly valuable. Definitely. And, yeah, I, I just I keep going back to as you start to make those connections, um, even though, you know, we do that imperfectly, um, it, it just does add a, a richness to our appreciation for who God is and what he's done, not just for us, but for his people uh, throughout, throughout history. Totally. Totally. Well, let's turn then to the devotional. Again, as I said at the beginning of the episode last week, we talked about how the Bible is authoritative. Now, this week, we will be discussing how the Bible is clear. So let's start very big picture. Why does it matter that the Bible is clear? Well, I think one of the reasons uh, that it matters is um, it ought to motivate us to want to know what the Bible says. Um, You know, if we knew... There was no chance that we could understand the Bible. Uh, we, we just knew we were always going to be lost. You know, there would be little reason to, to bother picking it up. But 
that's not the case. The Bible was written so that it could be understood. Um, and as a result, you know, we know that if we put in the effort, you know, because as we were just talking, there is there is some effort to it. But if we if we w- were willing to put in the time, we know that we can understand uh, what God has said. Mm. One of the things that I'm very passionate about is for the Bible to be preached to all people. And what I mean by that is sometimes I think we want to, maybe we want to, we, we try to stray away from preaching the Bible because we feel as, as if it's unclear, right? We feel as if someone needs to understand a certain context. And, and, and obviously there's, there's examples where that might be true, where it's helpful to have additional explanation and teaching on, you know, what a passage means or what context or why was it written or, you know, those sorts of things. But you know, I'm thankful for people, for biblical communicators like Corey and others who say, look, you, you know, people need to hear the word of God um, and they need to hear it taught and explained and preached. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone who it's beautiful to me that the word of God is clear so that people around the world who stumble across Bibles come to faith simply by reading the Bible. That just is insane to me and and, and it 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 makes me grateful to the lord that the bible is clear because it becomes our evangelism tool and strategy right we we preach the bible we teach it to others because it's how people come to know god and you know obviously it's not the only way that the lord reveals himself um and is 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 you know through personal conversations and relationships and things like that but it is you know, the main vehicle in which we learn or, you know, through which we learn about God. And so it's not just a, a book that becomes kind of a life manual, rather it's an evangelism tool. It's a strategy. It's a, it's a, you know, how to do the Christian faith. How do I learn about who God is? How do I, you know, learn about who he has called me to be? It's, it's there. And it's, you know, that's how he has revealed himself. Yeah, and that's exciting, uh, knowing that um, the Bible clearly explains who God is, who Jesus is, what he, what he did for us. Um, you know, again, that should be uh, an encouraging thing and, and motivate us to, to be willing to share that with, with others. Um, it, it is probably helpful to, to add that doesn't necessarily mean— um, that you know, if we just read a, a couple verses to somebody, uh, that that means they're automatically going to understand, you know, um, all that there is that one needs to know to to put their faith in Christ. Absolutely. Um, but it, it still is an encouragement that it is something that somebody can read and put the pieces together, and. Uh, to want to put their their trust in in him um, that doesn't always happen immediately I, I think to understand who Jesus is and what he did there are some connections that one needs to, to make um, you know, I, I sometimes uh, I, I think back to when I was in college um, I had a I was I was not a believer at the time but I, I took a, a, a theology class and I'm pretty sure the the professor over the course of the uh, course explained uh, the gospel 
Um, but you know, I was, I was too thick headed to, to understand what he was talking about. But I do remember that at one point he talked about, um, Jesus death on the cross being an, an expression of God's love. And, um, I had no idea what that meant. Uh, why go, why not choose another way of expressing that love? You know, why not send us a dozen roses or a Hallmark card or something like that? And uh, not to be flipped, but that's where my brain went. And I'm like, I don't understand why this was necessary. Ultimately, I didn't understand why Jesus had to die for us. So I didn't understand why the cross was an expression of God's love. So I say that, you know, as an example that, people do need to put some pieces together. I needed to understand the severity of sin, that we needed uh, somebody to pay the penalty for our sin, and that Jesus was the one who did that. But that caveat aside, the Bible does explain all of that. Um, and if we help somebody uh, to see that, they do have the ability to understand and, and act upon it. Absolutely. I have a quick story about that. A, a student that I had been talking to about faith for a number of months. I believe it was actually nine months between when we met and when he actually placed his faith in Jesus. And, you know, he was incredibly spiritually hungry. Um, you know, he'd leave our conversations and go read, you know, the entire book of Luke twice before our next meeting, you know, the following week and, you know, be telling me these things and just an incredibly brilliant person. And to your point about, you know, kind of where you, that it's sometimes it's it's more than just scripture. There's there's a very uh, important role that the Holy Spirit plays in someone's conversion and salvation, of course. And this was, you know, demonstrated to me in that through the course of these nine months, through all our conversations, it got to a point about a few weeks before he placed his faith in Jesus where he could literally recite to me the gospel, right? He could tell me everything that Jesus did, why Jesus did it, but he just hadn't, exactly taken that plunge and, 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 you know, committed his faith to that. Uh, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was very evidently working in his heart, you know, and, 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 uh, this student eventually did place his faith in Jesus, but right. You, you, to your point, it's, there's more than just scripture. However, uh, you know, I was amazed in that season at seeing how someone who had no faith background, uh, no idea who Jesus was before he opened a Bible could glean that much information from it. Um, and, you know, basically go to the, to the one yard line <laughs> of receiving faith and, you know, and then the Holy spirit was, was faithful in, in doing his work. Um, but just, again, it blows my mind. And as we were talking about, it just, it motivates me to then want to see what the scriptures say. Exactly. And, that's why the, uh, the clarity of the Bible is such an important uh, doctrine because if that weren't the case, we wouldn't be able to be excited about sharing it because there, there would be no hope of anybody understanding it. And, but as we've said, that's not the case. So we do have hope. There is reason to be encouraged. Totally. Well, one of the readings this week, you discussed how it's important to have the right attitude in reading Scripture and that we must be willing to have our minds changed when we encounter things in Scripture that maybe kind of rub a uh, you know, preconceived notion that we have. So why is that important? Why must we be willing to have our minds changed? 
Well, I think that's, unless I'm the only one that's like this, you know, our attitudes play a big role in our willingness to accept or reject something. Um, you know, we're often inclined to reject truth if it threatens something that, that we value and we'll go to great lengths to try to um, convince ourselves that what is in fact true isn't. Uh, um, you know, and, and it's, and it's, that's, to see that that's true, you don't necessarily have to think just purely in terms of what the Bible says about something. Um, you know, imagine that you have a friend um, and who, who loves bacon, puts it on everything, um, and they, they come across a new study that lists the negative health consequences of eating bacon. You know, how might they react? Uh, they might accept that as, you know, that's true. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to eat bacon again. But it, it's also quite plausible that they might try to find ways that they wouldn't have to accept uh, the study, what the study says, so that they don't have to give up bacon. They might, you know, oh, it was not a double-blind uh, study, <laughs> or the sample size was too small. Or, you know, doctors, they're just uh, in cahoots with big tofu. They want to get us to stop uh, eating bacon. Um, you know, and even if all of that might be true, um, you know, is that really why, you know, are they really concerned about research methodology? Um, you know, and so, again, that's... Um, I hope I'm not offending bacon lovers out there. That's not my intent. Um, yeah, Phil but, lives at, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the point is, hopefully that's that's a realistic enough where it would hit somebody to say, you know what, I might try to figure out reasons to keep eating bacon. Well, that that example, that, that part of our nature uh, can be at play in a big way when we're reading scripture. And if we're not careful, that attitude can cause us to uh, either ignore biblical teaching outright, or what often is is probably the more case for uh, is more often the case for believers that we we kind of twist the teaching um, in order to make it more palatable, so that it doesn't require us to change quite as much. And if it, and so if we don't approach scripture with a willingness to um, let it change us, um, you know, we're at risk of, of, of uh, rejecting something that God is teaching us. Hmm. So what does that acceptance process look like? Like, does that mean that we are to just blindly accept what scripture says? Um, I, not blindly accepting. I, I guess it depends on how one would define uh, blindly. There's certainly nothing wrong with you know, um, wrestling with uh, a difficult passage and saying, you know, is, is it really, does God really want me to do this? Or is, is the Bible really saying that? Uh, and, and, and kind of, you know, doing the study. Um, but again, that goes back to the attitude. What is the reason that we're, you know, struggling with this passage? Is it our desire to understand it? and how it applies in our particular context, or is it 
um, more an unwillingness to um, follow where you know God might be leading us. Hmm. I think that attitude piece again makes a big difference because, again, as you were saying, we all have <laughs> tendencies to maybe approach Scripture with a bad attitude or with preconceived notions of what it what we want it to say, and so to be humble enough to say, okay, how can I allow you know, scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit to change me, to make me into the person that God, you know, ultimately desires for me to be. Um, and then another question, just as we talk about the Bible being clear, you know, does that mean that we're going to understand everything in it? No, I think our listeners can clearly pick up on that, that these two guys um, don't know everything. Um, and I, I wish I was joking about that, but it's, it's true. I, yeah, it you know, is. Um, there's so much in the Bible and we're, we're so limited in our ability to understand just we're finite human beings that it would be impossible that we would be able to pull everything together, understand everything about God and, you know, call it, call it a, a night, um, or even a lifetime. Uh, you know, God is, uh, beyond our ability to, to fully comprehend. And, uh, into, into some extent that's true of his word as well. Um, you don't have to look very far, uh, beyond just even look at, you know, teaching on end times. There are lots of different views. And I know for myself, as I try to pull all the threads of biblical teaching together on that, um, the more I study it, the more I feel like my my conclusions are even more tentative. Uh, the more I study, because I'm just not sure how to. It's almost like all the information is like a, a spring that I'm trying to pull together. And there are moments I think I've got all the pieces together, and then it just kind of explodes on me, and I'm no longer sure I've put them together uh, correctly. And that's just one one topic. So I don't think we can understand everything, even though the Bible's clear, but that is more a reflection on our limitedness, not on um, through no fault of God's word. Hmm. One of the things that that encourages me about this doctrine, and we'll get into this discussion a little bit more. Uh, in week four of this month when we talk about how the Bible is sufficient. But to trust that with the Bible being clear, the Lord has revealed what we need to know. And now that's something that our egos don't often do well with. (laughs) Uh, Have a conversation with a Christian about discerning God's will for their life and decision-making, right? And we start to pretty quickly get riled up and, 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 and frustrated with God, like, God, why don't you tell us more, right? Uh, Why don't you tell me what job I'm supposed to have or what, you know, you name the decision you're supposed to make. But what the Lord does do and what he is faithful to do is to reveal what we need to know to believe in him. And then everything else can be okay being a mystery. Um, And again, that takes, you know, that's a process. Um, But we can be okay with that mystery because we trust that again, as we talked about in the readings this week, that God desires to have a relationship with us. He's, 
created the Bible in such a way and that it is clear and he desires to reveal to us all that we need to know in order to follow him and to be in relationship with him. Absolutely. And I think, again, as we, we might be disappointed that we don't know more, um, but I think we have every reason to be excited and encouraged about what we do know. Absolutely. Well, let's pause the discussion there. As always, thank you, Phil, for all your thoughts, insight, and wisdom. I appreciate our discussions, and as you're listening, I hope you do as well. As we wrap up our time together, just a reminder that if you have any questions about the topics we are discussing, we would love to hear from you. Please send any questions you have to my email, davidmorelli at parkcitychurch.net, and we will attempt to answer those during our next episode. Well, next week, where are we going? Our sermon text will be Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 30, as we continue working through our Sermon on the Mount series. And then in the devotional, we will be discussing how the Bible is necessary. So please join us next week for that discussion. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Park City Podcast. We hope this resource helps you to see and savor God's goodness, beauty, and grace in your life. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.parkcitychurch.net. Once again, thanks for listening.